everyone. Welcome to the Self-Awareness Journey Podcast. I'm Melissa Albers. And I'm JJ Parker. This podcast is for seekers, seekers of happiness and joy, seekers of a centered approach to success in life, seekers of their true, authentic selves. Get ready for some real talk on everything from anxiety, emotions, and habits to love, compassion, and forgiveness. We know you'll be challenged and enlightened by this conversation. We're so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Today, Melissa, we're going to talk about early impressions. Okay. Like maybe like early childhood experiences, mm. um, you know, early uh, school and maybe even work experiences and how those shape the oh. way you think and behave today as an adult. <laughs> oh, ooh, I like this topic. Ready? Yes. I feel, I feel like, I feel like uh, you should be laying down on like, like a therapy couch. <laughs> I should. Because here we go. <laughs> I know. I know. Whenever, whenever we start to talk about something like this, I immediately sort of seize up. And I, <laughs> I think it's because I've had such a squirrely upbringing that I mm-hmm. feel like, oh, the way I was raised is so different than most other people's. And I have to be so careful of the narrative. Yeah. So there, right there. <laughs> I guess that's an, one of them. <laughs> this is what we're talking about, right? <laughs> this is what we're talking about is, is there's things that happened um, when we, you were young, yeah. right? Yeah. That have a big impact on you as an adult. Right. Yep. For all of and, us and so many yeah. things that we don't even think about, right? Yeah. It's just part and, of our natural way of thinking now and being. Yeah. And not even in, a, you know, some of them possibly in a negative way. Yeah, right. But pos- some of them in a positive way. And yeah, to me, it's it's more just kind of exploring what those things are, right? And deciding, like, are they serving you today? Is that how you want mm-hmm. to be today? Mm-hmm. Right? And actually being able to, like, get some objectivity around it and then choose instead of just running everything on autopilot based on your past experiences. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, that's a great that's a great conversation. And actually, I hadn't even thought about it from the work perspective, but that's such a good one. Like, I remember when I was younger and I was like getting into high school, I was trying to figure out I always sort of dreamed about what I was going to be when I grew up. Did you do that? (laughs) I'm such a nerd. I think I just. (laughs) My dreaming was very limited or very focused, I guess. Yeah, you were too busy tying ropes behind car bumpers (laughs) and like skiing in the the street. Young person, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Okay, so what was your child? What what did you think you were going to do? Oh, yeah. Well, I always fancied myself as being a pretty detailed person. (laughs) (laughs) You're wrong about that. I know, but I actually just like would picture myself. Okay. So like, for example, I loved reading. I Mm -hmm. loved reading. I read like, uh, like incessantly read from the time I was really young. And as I got a little older, the stuff that I would play, you know, like some kids would play like, well, little girls, like, let's play house. Let's Mm -hmm. play dress up. Nope. I wanted to play library. Mm -hmm. And so I would like, my grandparents were both ministers and they and they each had their own offices in their home um, and their offices were just packed with books mm-hmm. you know and my grandpa had this really old big desk and it had all of these cool drawers in it and the, 
and it smelled like tobacco and ink. <laughs> you know, it was just like this. I loved being in that office. And so I used to sit at that huge desk and this huge chair, and I would pretend that I was a librarian. <laughs> and the way that I pretended I was a librarian, I think this is so funny, is I wrote letters to people that hadn't returned their books on time with fines. <laughs> childhood fantasy is fining for late library books. Well, if, if we're going to unpack that a little bit, yeah. What I would observe with you. Yeah. Is that is that while you can dive into detail work, yeah. you are more of a big picture picker. Oh, for sure. But what you do all the time is beat yourself up for not being so detailed. Oh. Right? Yes. Oh my goodness, you're You right. do that all the time. Ha. Huh. Right? You're right. You're you're totally right. And so I do. The, one of the questions I would have for you to think about. Uh-oh. <laughs> <Would be, laughs> oh, no. Be, like, you had an idea of how maybe you should be yeah. as a kid. Right. And you're still kind of wrestling with <laughs> yes. not being, not fulfilling that idea. Yes. Yeah. Because whenever you and I, like, even are in the creation mode doing something new or whatever, like, you'll pick up on a thread of something and you'll be able to just, like, you know, just like dive into it with all of this stuff. And then I always feel like, and I know it's not truth. I know that's not truth. Yeah. And it's not a comparison thing. I just naturally go to, oh, I can't do that. Mm. Right. And then I just think, oh, I'm just, why can't I do that? Like everybody else seems to be able to do that. <laughs> well, so that is something that affects so me like, all the time. That's the interesting part, right? That's like a narrative that's, that is, was impressed on you, maybe even by yeah. yourself, right? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, or the environment you grew up, and and it and it's not working for you today, right? Right. It makes right. you feel bad today. And, and actually, it never has. It's never mm. worked for me well. Yeah. Like for example, I got into jobs that were so not what I have sh should have been doing in my early career, um, because I had this narrative going that I I would get better if. Yeah. 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 So that's a great example of, you know, our our own early thoughts shaping mm -hmm. how we see the world, right? Yep. Yeah. But there's lots of you know, family stuff, right? The the way your family acted mm -hmm. as a as a kid, you know, an early impression that would be probably pretty impactful for for most people would be like, how did your parents deal with money? Mm -hmm. The way your parents dealt with money. Right. really affects the way you your relationship with money as an adult right yep so yes. if if there was you know if there was a mindset growing up like like we don't have enough we're always struggling your relationship with money as an adult even if you become like really like well off yes is is still a reflection of that childhood experience. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's so true. Like, I, I was just listening to something a couple of weeks ago, and I don't remember if I mentioned that to you or not, but I was listening to this um, spiritual in like teacher. She's mm -hmm. like really, really well known and, and just great. And she was talking about money and how we are programmed around money at an early age. And she started listing all of the things that you're told as a child. You just threw out a mm. couple of them. But like all of the phrases about not having enough money. Mm -hmm. And it really has caused a imbalance 
in how most people perceive money. And, you know, she was saying how she had an older brother and her older brother, any extra cash that the family had went to his sports. Mm. And, um, and that was really important because he was so athletic and they wanted him to have every opportunity through his sports. And then when it was her birthday, one day her father bought her a dress and she said, why can't I have like some kind of sporting equipment? I can't remember what it was. Mm -hmm. Why can't I have that? Like my brother does. And her father started to yell at her and mm. said, you are ungracious. You don't know. Do you know how hard I had to work to get this money to buy this for you? Never ask again. You know, like, so really, really yeah. impressing upon her. Yep. And there's so many things layered in that, right? It isn't just money. It's also right. like self-worth. It's also like girl versus boy. Like, and, and she said it stuck with her her entire life. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a that's a big impact. Yeah. Right? How about you? Do you th can you think of any that you had? <laughs> well, now you're gonna put me on a spot. <laughs> I was gonna keep asking you questions. <laughs> oh, do you remember how we started the pod? Oh, well, well Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so yeah. So I would, uh, I'd say one of the the big things for me as a kid, I was very quiet. Mm -hmm. It's like really quiet. Like I was so quiet that that one of my teachers in elementary school like went to my parents and was like, oh, oh I think there's something, you know, like wrong with JJ because he doesn't talk ever. Oh, right? wow. Um, but like, but just sort of uh, going through like sort of my probably like elementary school and middle school experience, mm -hmm. like almost not talking at all. Wow. <laughs> like I remember yeah. um, I went to a concert with, uh, with my high school friends. I must have been like 11th grade or something. And there was this girl there um, that was like dating one of my friends. And I had gone to elementary school with her. Like I'd been in school with her my whole life, right? Yeah, yeah. And we were at this concert and, um, you know, I was like engaging with my friends or I was talking about the band. I was like, I was very engaged and, yeah. and I was talking a lot. And she pulls me aside and she goes, JJ, we've been going to, to, to school together since kindergarten. I've never heard you talk. Really? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I have this this perception that of you know like uh, this idea that I need to be quiet. Like I sh I mm. I am quiet. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that sort of feeds into my like introverted tendency. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. So so we've talked about it. When I'm yeah. at trade shows, when I have to do things that are yeah. a lot more like vocal and yeah. talking, um, I do get a little bit of that like, um, like I shouldn't be talking so much. I should shut my mouth. Really? Okay. So <laughs> yeah. your impression when she said that, and like even still as you're reflecting on it, you actually feel like you should be more of what you already are. Well, this is actually not her comment, but I think just more like like my more comfortable spot is yeah. this like really quiet spot hmm. where I, where I don't talk a lot. Right. Huh. So that's so interesting because my more comfortable spot is talking more. And yeah. yet I would make myself feel like I should be doing the reverse of that. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Like as soon as you were talking about being in school and not talking and having a teacher call home, 
<laughs> I can promise you that was never my experience. That's never your problem. <laughs> no, there were a couple of times I remember having my my desk pushed to the corner of the room because I was talking too much. Yeah, so your message is talk less. Yeah, exactly. And in my kindergarten report card, which I know I've mentioned in a previous pod before, I was given this feedback. Missy needs to stop bossing other people around again. Again. So it was a kindergarten report card. Oh, and my bonus mom found the report card not too many years ago, and she slid it across the, funny. the table, and, and it was in an old brown manila envelope. and And she was a um, she was a she was a teacher, and then she became a principal of a mm. grade school. And so when she slid this thing over, she said, "Oh, um, well, I didn't. I wasn't gonna look at anything or read it." And I was like, well, "Who cares? It's like yeah, right. report card." <laughs> <laughs> and she was already trying to protect me because she knew what it said. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said another earlier, you said another thing that has a big in, initial impact on young people. What's that? That carries them through into their adulthood. Mm. Uh, you said spiritual religion mm. would be another one of those things. Oh that, my gosh, you're so right. That people should reflect on, right? Mm -hmm. Because, um, and, and not in a good, you know, I'm not in a judgmental no, way. Right. No, on, just on notice religion, it. But like, yeah, yeah. like even, uh, even your early experiences with religion yeah. versus what you want it to be today as an adult and how you want to use it and engage in it today as an adult mm. might likely be very different. Right. Oh my right. gosh, that's so true. Because most people I don't think would approach their childhood religious experiences with objectivity in contrast or comparison to what they're going for today. I think they right. naturally move in a direction based on that. And there's usually some energy around that, mm -hmm. right? Like strong expectation. Either yeah. they loved it and they were going to replicate it for their own family. And if they can't yep. find something to do that does that, um, you know, that's, that's a hard thing. That's a hard thing for the family, the young, the, you know, or mm -hmm. if they, like, we always say that my husband is a recovering Catholic mm. because he had, you know, he went to Catholic school and boy, those nuns, <laughs> those <laughs> nuns up in St. Cloud were pretty serious, pretty serious about their trade. <laughs> right. So there's just a lot of, um, things that he remembers being guilted and shamed mm. and feeling terrible. Um, and he's such a good person, you know, but he has all that, all mm -hmm. these ideas about that, that he's mm -hmm. still trying to unravel some. So yeah, I, I think you're it still has to right. work through, right? Yeah. 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 That's, that's a huge impact. Yeah. Um, the other, the other thing that you touched on was work. Like mm -hmm. I actually really like this, this uh, idea of how work puts an impression on us early, yeah. right? A lot of our first jobs are like entry level jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, the and and to me, even more than the job itself is your coworkers. Because mm. I remember one of one of my first jobs was I worked at Circuit City. They're not even around anymore. They're like a competitor to Best Buy, right? Yeah. 
Yep. Like consumer electronics kind of stuff. I sold car stereos. <laughs> <laughs> you did? Oh, yeah. I was oh super my gosh, into car I stereos. never I had a huge, knew that. Oh, yeah. I had huge speakers in my trunk and the whole thing rattled. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and I'll lose my you hearing didn't, soon. It didn't bounce, did it? Like when you went down the road, the it didn't The car bounce. did not bounce, but the the mirrors like visibly <laughs> rattled and shook. My parents would always like, and then I always work on this stuff like super late at night or like basically early in the morning and they'd be like, get woken up at like 3 a.m. Because oh like, gosh. oh, we got the new speakers wired in and we're testing it out, <laughs> shaking the whole house. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh um, my god! Did you work on commission? I'm just curious. Yes. Oh what? yeah. Oh, I did, oh. and I totally did not understand how it even worked. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Right? Yeah, and uh, and one day we like there was like a sales contest, which I didn't <laughs> even know the rules of, and then we won, and I got like an extra six hundred dollars in my paycheck. I was like, holy crap! Like, this is crazy. <laughs> oh my god! But that god. did not. Unfortunately, that early impression did not make, you know, did not turn me into a salesperson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> I have never heard that story before. I never knew that you worked in a sales a role. A commissioned, a commissioned sales, role. sales role. It was for like a hot six months, too. <laughs> <laughs> How many other cars well, were bouncing and <laughs> lighting up all the way down the road after uh, that? Well, in any case, working for... Uh, for Circuit City in the car stereo, like uh, whatever yeah, part of the store, yeah, uh, the guys that were the other guys that worked there, oh, they're sure. just such dudes, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, they were just they just had like they just had no for me right as I was like more into the electronics of it, yeah, and sort of like the tech specs and all all that <laughs> yeah. stuff you know these guys were just sort of like bros and knuckleheads and oh my um, god but they did have an effect on me i i did actually kind of the thing i learned after i worked there is like yeah these guys are just crappy workers like they're doing ah. the minimum they're like disrespectful to the manager right like they're just not good yeah. but i fell into it for a little while like right. I kind of like started adapting into this that bad worker sure, mentality with them, yeah. And then it wasn't until years later I was like, oh yeah, I was acting stupid back then. I don't know what you know. <laughs> hey, isn't there a movie about something exactly like this? I'm sure there's like ten movies. I just feel like, like this. <laughs> I feel like is it the forty year old virgin? Oh, no, oh my gosh, yes. I'm almost Actually, positive. It is. Yes, it is. you're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Steve Carell works in an electronic department and yeah. he is the nicest person and so thoughtful and so particular and cautious. And then he works with a bunch of dudes. Oh my gosh. It tries to be kind of like him and he's just, he's not. Yep. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. I love so that. This idea that, that those, you know, we, when, uh, when we're moving jobs yep. and right now, right. Uh, we had, uh, a guest on a few weeks back that talked about, well, we wanted to talk about the great resignation, but what he actually yeah. started talking about was the great migration. Yes, exactly. Doing a lot of job switching. And mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. when you're doing job switching, you have to kind of be conscious that 
your old sort of habits at your current job, if you move to a new job, are probably coming with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Well, and the other thing is, is that I think not only that, but it's also what you look for in your new job. It's like what you look for in your new thing, whatever it is, as you're moving. Like, as you were talking about your job and your, like one of your first jobs, I started reflecting, you know, one of the very first jobs that I wanted to do, <laughs> again, well, this is, we could unpack this for hours, but we won't, <laughs> was I was the president secretary of a law firm at the mm. age of 21. And I did not even know how to type when I took the job, <laughs> right? Um, but there were a bunch of things within that role. And so <laughs> what kind of hiring process do they have at the law firm? <laughs> it was like, it was sort of like um, when, the, when the music stopped, they would take a chair and whoever was left standing would end up with that role. It was kind of like that. It was a very dysfunctional place, mm -hmm. honestly, extreme, obviously. Um, but what I was going to say is along with that, I'm also thinking about, well, what are some of the things that I had when I was younger that made huge impression on me in my jobs? And do you know, in that law firm, there was one up and coming associate lawyer who um, really hated me because mm. I was a strong female. Mm. He was so, um, he was so mean to me and he would wait till other people weren't around to act a certain way towards me. Wow. And um, but that was actually a theme throughout much of my career is when you're a strong female, there are many men who are intimidated by that. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's why we're getting this huge wave of girl bosses and all these mm -hmm. things, right? Like Sheryl Sandberg and all, all of these movements about mm -hmm. elevating women to equal status with men in the workplace, but um, which is the, not what this whole topic is about. But I do want to reflect. Well, well, I mean, it I is. I think it is. It, no, <laughs> yes. I mean, our we could do, I guess what I meant to say is we could do an entire podcast on that and probably yeah. a series on that. Yeah. Um, but just in the reflective moments of this conversation, I actually had a boss that told me that I needed to wear a skirt or a dress hmm. when I was going on appointments, that I was not allowed to wear pants hmm. because that's not what nice young women did. Like- so wow. even being informed of how to dress mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, that early programming was like, hey, lots of men don't like you if you're going to be strong. So tone it down, hmm. you know, be quieter. Don't assert yeah. yourself in any way, shape or form. It doesn't matter yeah, so how good you are. Some of those things might unconsciously affect you when you go out on sales calls today yeah. or when you engage yeah. with people today. Yep. Well, uh, and especially if you're not aware of it, right? Right. You're right, very right. aware of it. Yes. You've yeah. been working on it for a long time. Right. Yeah. So you can get better perspective of it. But if you're not aware right. that that's affecting you. Right. You know, yes. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. So that whole that whole idea of women in the workplace and this evolution that's occurred, mm -hmm. you know, some of the early programming and, and I, you know what, it's so funny because, um, I think I am what I would call a survivor, just having the crazy upbringing that I did. Mm. So in that survivor mindset, it's like, well, don't really reflect on what happened. Just do your best now and move forward. Like, don't think about the other stuff like mm -hmm. that. That That's unpleasant. Um, so I actually almost forget about some of that stuff. Mm. Like, like, look at this. We're into this conversation this far. And I didn't even really remember that until you started reflecting yeah. on one of your earlier stories about work. Yeah. So it's very interesting which yeah. um, is exactly the hypothesis that you and I had when we first started this. It's like, yeah. how aware are you even of what some of those early impressions are? Yeah. The only other work-related deprogramming 
yeah. thing I want to touch on is we we actually use that as a word at our company. Hmm. Like like uh, that when we have people that come work for us mm. um, that have come from like a big company, like maybe they've come from a big Fortune 500 company yeah. Yeah. and they come work for our little like 50 person company. It's yeah. a whole different ballgame. And, and, and on top of that, our culture, you know, we're very particular about our culture. Yes. Um, and the way trust and accountability works in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually talk about how when, when we have new people come work for us, there is a deprogramming period. Yeah. <laughs> like, and our managers know that like we need to try to instill our culture mm-hmm. in, and, and, and bring these people like new people into our culture. And we need to actually give them a bit of grace because we yeah. understand they're going to have to be deprogrammed for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> That's so <laughs> And reprogrammed true. into our culture. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, it's true. And and it is just that it's, you know, what's funny is that when we're faced with truth in front of our faces, we compare it to our past experience to prove it. Mm. Like that's kind of in that situation. It's like, well, we have a high trust, high accountability environment. You don't, we don't really need you to be sitting at your desk. We just need you to get yeah. your job done. And you yeah. know what the person thinks first? Well, that's actually not true. Right. Oh, that's what sure. they think all the time. And how many times do we do that when we're faced with absolute yeah. truth? We go, that's actually not true. Yeah. Someone we hired two months ago came to me last week and goes, JJ, everyone says, everyone at all these companies say mm-hmm. they act in these certain ways. Yeah. But you guys are actually doing it. I've never seen that. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> was powerful to me because I was like, thank you. Yeah. And right. also sad for all other companies. Right. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it is really interesting how much people um, filter and sort in their brain when they hear something today yeah. that's in their lives today, how much they, uh, you know, compare it to what they think and, mm-hmm. and almost disavow it or, or disbelieve it, even if it is truth, because they're yeah. so programmed with those early impressions. Yeah. Well, good. This was, this was fun. I'm glad, I'm glad we didn't completely derail you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could have for just a minute. I felt like I was teetering (laughs) on the edge. (laughs) Did you enjoy this episode? Please go to your favorite podcast platform to subscribe, rate, and leave a review so others can discover it as well. Growing self-awareness is a lifelong journey and there's always further to go. And it's better when we're all in it together. Please think of someone you know who could benefit from hearing today's conversation and share this episode with them. We can't thank you enough for listening. Until next time, happy exploring, seekers.